0: I'm Ron Alesco, and you're listening to Traditions on WFUFM and BluesAndRootsRadio.com. Uh, if you've been listening to the show over the last couple of years, you've probably heard me play uh, some songs from Mark Berger. Uh, he has a CD out called uh, Ride, and it's available on, on, on his uh, on his website, MarkBergerMusic.com. Mark's going to be coming back to The Turning Point in Piermont, New York, on Friday, March 29th. He'll be there with his band. But today... We've got him without his band. <laughs> we have him in his guitar right here at our studio. Mark, how you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me, Ron.
0: Oh, thanks for coming by. I mean, it's it's always a treat to have some uh, have somebody of your caliber joining us. And uh, <laughs> I, I've I've always loved your, your 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 I loved your last CD, and I, I love what you're doing. And you know, before we get into talking about it, would you mind starting us off with a song?
1: Totally. Here's a song
0: from Ryan.
2: Mama, I don't know my daddy You don't know my name or my
1: place of birth But when I got a look at the big sky country I knew I had a home on this earth Montana, Montana Rockin' me under your heavenly skies
3: Montana,
1: Montana Gonna love you till the day I die Got a home on a mountain A home in the valley Live on a lake Live off the land when I get crazy. There's a flathead woman to tell me I'm her loving man. Montana, Montana
2: rocking me under your heavenly
1: skies. Montana, Montana gonna love you till the day I die. raining on the prairie
2: you can hear the angels sing
1: There's a mist on the river, strips on the griddle, of sun's coming up on the great highway, and with the Rockies rising in the clouds, so gentle, you forever take my breath away. Montana, Montana, rocking me under your heavenly skies, Montana, Montana, gonna love
2: you till the day I die. Oh. I love you till the day I die
0: very nice Montana Mark Berger live in the studio today uh Mark you know, it's so good to hear you uh your career um well uh, <laughs> you're originally from New York yeah I grew up in Philadelphia and New York uh-huh yeah, and then you kind of uh, you went to law school, and then you, you did what right. yeah, a yeah. lot of lawyers do—they decided to become a musician. Huh? Well,
1: you know it's interesting—I <laughs> I started writing songs for some like godforsaken reason while I was in law school, and um, and the first ones were horrific, you know, as you might imagine. But by the time I graduated, I had written a few I thought were pretty good, so I felt like I'm sure I'm going to be a lawyer, but I need to get this like out of my sure. system, you know. So yeah. I, I felt like well, I'll go see some music publishers. And they'll all tell me, well, they're not bad kid, but this is a tough business. You could be a lawyer. It's a <laughs> no-brainer, you know. But I immediately got signed to publishing deals. I was, like, really shocked. Wow. You know. And I was given advances against future royalties. And then I had a chance encounter uh, with a you know, great American artist I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with by the name of Richie Havens. Okay? No, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, then and, and, you know, I don't if we ever get around to it. I'll tell you the whole story about how that happened. But, you know, he was a big influence at that particular moment in my life because he really uh, he really validated my songwriting and then began performing a song of mine that got a lot of attention. And so, it, you know, it got kind of interesting at that point and just wound up never practicing long. My <laughs> life just went down another uh, another path at oh that wow. at that particular Juncture, you know.
0: Well, we've we've got millions of, of lawyers, but you know we we don't have enough good songwriters. Thank so. you. I think <laughs> glad, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm glad you, you chose that path. But you you started out doing, uh, I guess, rock music. You were in the different bands, played places like CBGBs and such.
1: Well, I did. You know, I um, but I but you mean the song that Richie did is is a, it's really a, a folk ballad. You know, mm-hmm. I've always written in all the American roots styles. Sure. You know, um, I do love rock and roll. Um, and so I've never felt really restricted. And in fact, Richie once said to me, because I would bring him these like little you know, cassettes, my little demos, you know, and he encouraged me to come in periodically and play him songs. And he said to me, the thing about you that's interesting is like you write each of these styles as if like, well, that's the... St- you're convincing, that's the style right. you're in, you know? Um, but I do love all the American roots styles of music and in a way I almost think they really kind of combine to form what I would call folk music, you right. know?
0: They're just the roots of American music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and this album, Ride, um, it's, it's kind of a, well, you look at the cover, I, I figured you at first as, as a dusty old cowboy out of the plains somewhere. But you, you really um, grasped the, uh, the feel of, the, of that, of the frontier. How did this come to be? You, know, you have obviously a little different influence on that? Well, yeah. I
1: mean, it kind of started out innocently. I, I was 21. I was about to start law school. I was living in Bloomfield, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and I had this, like, crazy friend of mine. He was an Arab. He was, like, a, he was actually a Christian Arab from Israel, and the two of us together were just playing trouble. We just decided to have a summer <laughs> adventure and see America, get in a car, right. hit the road, you know, and, like, we were just clueless. We, <laughs> neither of us had ever slept in a tent in our lives. We <laughs> borrowed some half-assed equipment we didn't know how to use, and we, we didn't know how big everything was and far apart, like... There was one night we got to the Grand Canyon, and there were no campsites, so we just said, screw it, let's go to Yosemite. It was like that kind of a trip, you know? So we were everywhere for five minutes, and I came back to New York, and I moved to the city at that point. I was about to start law school. But as soon as I came back from that trip, I realized it had changed my life because all I really wanted to do um, was get back out there. And so for each of the next five summers in my 20s, every summer, uh, at the end of July or beginning of August, I chose a destination in the West and drove across the United States to that destination by myself. Wow! And this is before there were cell phones, so you can't <laughs> oh, even have this kind sure. of drive anymore, you know? But um, I became a really kind of aggressive mountain climber, got into the most remote places in the West and just, you know, I wound up having a lifelong affection and obsession with the West and eventually... It made sense to me to make this album of songs reflecting my connection sure. to the mountain and desert west.
0: I, I read a story that you also picked up a, a book from uh, A. B. Guthrie.
1: Oh yeah, that that I would not have made that album if I hadn't picked up yeah. that book. Yeah, it's uh, I had taken a friend of mine who was a sound engineer who was not terribly fit. But he really wanted to have this kind of experience I like to have in the West. So I picked this one trip that looked really kind of harmless, where you, you hiked in a river canyon that, that bordered between Arizona and Utah. You hiked in like four inches of water for 15 miles, but there wasn't a lot of elevation change. You had a backpack, and you got to camp in this canyon at night. So I thought, well, this is something he could do, we wouldn't even if he's not totally in shape. We wound up getting separated in this canyon oh, no. for 24 hours. Each of us thought the other one was dead. You oh, know? my God. It was the most harrowing experience I've ever had in my oh, life. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we wound up just reconnecting and collapsing at this, at this little motel on, on a Navajo reservation. We woke up in the morning, and there was a trading post. We went to have breakfast, and there was this, like, you know, a metal revolving paperback rack. And there was this book... That had a very uh, alluring cover. It said "The Big It" by A. B. Guthrie. It was a book of short stories. The only reason I bought it because the cover was so cool, you know. And I read the first story, which is called "The Therefore Hog." I'm telling your listeners, Google this because I think this is available on the internet. It's a short story called "The There The Therefore Hog," and it's about two cowhands who pull into a little town in Nebraska during a blizzard. And there's only one room left in the hotel, and it has one bed, and they have to share the bed. (laughs) And I mean, this story is to make you cry laughing to read this story. And I just was like, I can't believe that I've never heard of this guy, that he could write like this. And I've never heard his name before. And on the top of the, uh, the paperback, it said, by, you know, the author of The Big Sky. And that led me to that book, and that book is really what got me in the mind to make this album because he was talking about the West in a way I knew it. It wasn't so much, you know, cowboys and Indians right. as what it felt like to be there, what it made you feel like, you know, what it evoked from you to be in that environment. It's a, it's just a great book. Joseph Heller, who's, of course, the author of Catch-22, referred to, to The Big Sky and A.B. Guthrie as the great undiscovered American novels yeah. of the 20, 20th century. Are you familiar with
0: him? I, I, I am. I, I think I read Big Sky years ago, but right. when I was you know, looking over your notes, it, it kind of rekindled that in me, too, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I can see really the connection. I yeah, yeah, can yeah, see yeah. the influence. Well, uh, as we mentioned, when you're, you're going to be at the turning point on the um, uh, the 29th of March, you're going to have your full band with you, and you had a band with you on this uh, recording ride. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to play a cut from this, and before I do, I just want to ask, Is a picture of somebody on a horse in the back. Is that you, Mike?
1: No, by no No, means. That picture was probably taken in 1939 (laughs) by a great American photographer. It's the only thing that's not original in the CD Uh, package and it's a guy named Charles Belden and what's really cool about that photograph and why I used it is because it's very reflective of some of what that record communicates, that album communicates. If you notice, the guy is on the horse but he's looking back over his shoulder up at a small
0: plane. Yeah, look at that.
1: And it's almost like what that's communicating to me is kind of like
0: it's over. You right. Know what I mean,
1: it's over.
0: The change. It's yeah. all changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's play the first cut from the CD. And you want to introduce this for us? Um, yeah, sure. It's called
1: Nobody's Gonna Ride on the Railroad. And uh, hopefully you can see the imagery and the dust and the whole vibe of the West in it.
2: Chester Town and he just said goodbye mm, Nobody can ride on the railroad Once proud and shiny, now she's dusty and dry Nobody rides, can't you hear Soulful whistling in the wind Nobody rides, jump the rails Roar it away around the bend Nobody rides, say a prayer Every so long line maybe great land of mine, nobody gonna dance to the music, calling Union all it's boarded up tight, nobody mm-hmm. gonna dance to the music, nobody gonna dance to the Chester Town when they just said goodbye. nobody mm, gonna ride on the railroad. Once proud and shining now she's dusty and dry.
0: That is Mark Berger. Song called Nobody Gonna Ride on the Railroad. That's from Mark's uh, first album, Ride. A beautiful CD that's uh, a couple of years old now, but it's it still sounds so fresh. And I, I love the imagery that you, you put into your songs. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an art. And uh, I, I, what, what is your songwriting process? I mean, when you had this idea for Ride, I mean, did you have the songs already, or did you... I had most of those songs. You know, I mean,
1: because I was, you know, my love of the West, it just periodically wrote songs that have some connection to it. These songs are, you know, on the album are really quite varied. At, although they, on the surface, all have something to do with the subject of the West, stylistically, mm-hmm. chord-wise, melodically, rhythmically. There's a large variation in terms of American musical styles on sure. the album, you know? Um, but yeah, I had a bunch of those songs. I just, you know... I hatched this idea that, you know, there is this great tradition of, you know, that particular subject inspiring artists, American yeah. artists, you know. there's uh, There are two great mythologies, I think, that the United States has contributed to the culture of the world at large. One is the founding fathers and the creation of democracy and the American Revolution, the Constitution. And the other is the endless frontier in the American West. And, you know, of course, you're talking about poets and painters and filmmakers and so on. But I, I didn't... Yeah, I don't know. The idea of making an um, an album that front to back was all the songs were linked in some way to that subject. Just Mm -hmm. I just felt I was because of my actual. You know, I had a very tactile connection to the West. Sure. uh, That I was in a somewhat unique position to communicate it. You know, and
3: uh,
1: it took me forever because I didn't (laughs) know how to use a recording studio, and I wanted these recordings to. I started working on it with a producer. And um, you're familiar with the term panning, of course? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. so maybe your listeners aren't. But panning is if you put, like, headphones on when you're listening to music and it's stereo. Panning is, refers to where you hear a sound coming from in the left-to-right spectrum. And so those are choices that are made in the recording studio to put a particular instrument on the left or right or the center. And so I was working with this producer, and we were mixing these first few tracks a ride, and he said to me, I like to pan so that when you listen to the music, you could see a band on the stage from left to right in front of you. And that's when I knew I was in the deep doo-doo, because, <laughs> because I felt like I didn't even want you to think about the fact that there were musicians playing when you listen uh-huh. to this track. So I wanted to come at you like a movie. Sure. You know, with re- repeated listens, you might go, I like that piano track, or I like this, or I like that. But I wanted it to be like an organic whole, and I knew I had no idea how to use a recording studio to accomplish it. So I had to get my own studio together, and it took years of me and my co-producer, Mike Riccardi, who's the drummer on the album learning like, you know, blind man feeling the elephant how to, how to make yeah. this whole thing happen. And so, yeah, so that took a long time uh,
0: to get that effect, but that was what was required because of the subject sure and well yeah. you did an amazing job for, especially for our first album thank you and you he had some you. some great people joining you mentioned mike riccardi who, who else was with with you in the group
1: well eric amble who mm-hmm. is producing my new album is a is a great great producer and guitar player and he was on he was the guitar player on all kinds of records he's right. been toured with steve steve Earle for a long time and produced albums by nils lofkin was in a band called the dell lords and He's a he's a friend and a great great artist. Who I have great respect and admiration uh-huh. for Tony Garnier, who's Bob Dylan's band leader, and music director. Played on one track. We got to know each other when I opened for Dylan a number of years ago. Wow. And he's the bass player on this whole, on every track of the new album we're working on together sure. with Eric and. Um, I don't know if you probably know who Kenny White is. He's yeah, playing piano on the yeah. album. He's going to be with me at the Turning Point oh, on the lovely. 29th as well.
0: Lovely. Yeah. Well, Mark Berger is with us in the studio today, if you're just tuning in. Uh, he'll be at the Turning Point, as he mentioned, it, in Piermont, New York, on Friday night, March the 29th, with his band, Today he's with us in the studio, and uh, I'm going to ask uh, if you'd mind uh, doing another song for us, Mark. No, not at all. You know, this is
1: something I just got the idea to play because I got out of my car in the parking lot, and I started to see some buds on the trees, you know. <laughs> all right. And I don't play this song a lot, but it's just, like, really good for this moment when we're sick of the winter, you know, and we're, like, getting hopeful that things are about to get nice, you know. So this song's called Down the Delaware. There's a road And there's a well There's a boy And his little girl There's a ring On her hand It's the promise of The little man There's a bluebird singing
2: to the breeze. Here and there, a cloud gliding down the Delaware.
1: There's a light And there's a leaf There's a flower Where there was a seed Find a little shade By the waterline Look into her
2: eyes
1: Let your loving shine There's a
2: bluebird Singing to the breeze Here and there A cloud Gliding down Delaware Winter
1: Turtle on a rock, dream on. Water lilies floating by. Flock of quacking ducks
2: tearing up a boundless sky. ha ha! ha ha! ha ha! Sing it high, and sing it low. Raise your bottle up to the mighty river road.
1: If the Lord above should be looking down, sure he's jealous
2: of the heaven that you found. There's a bluebird singing too
0: a nice song thank you down to delaware mark berger live in the studio uh calling it into winter officially yeah, we, we played yeah. that song it's got to be over now
3: yeah
0: um <laughs> uh, mark i I'm, I'm so glad you're here today and uh, and sharing these songs um i, I know you're working on a, on a new project as well is, is it going to be similar to ride uh, or well,
1: that's a great question you know i mean here's it's interesting because um you know I wasn't even performing live. It took me years to make this album. I wasn't playing in public and just trying to create this this thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this Ride album. And, it, and I had no idea if anybody would like it. And it's been the response, been very gratifying. Starbucks licensed the album for worldwide in-store airplay and critics have liked it. And um, and so a lot of people will say to me, well, oh God, this is what people know you for. Now you have to make Son of Ride, <laughs> you know. But uh, the truth is, I really poured myself into making that album. And I I don't have anything more to say on that subject. So if I try to make Son of Ride, it just wouldn't be as good as Ride. But um, it was really challenging artistically, and I loved it, the experience of making an album where instead of just saying, well, here are 10 of my songs, there was a theme or an idea to the whole where the the songs were linked to each other and they kind of took you on a trip and a journey. And so I like doing that, and I was very interested in doing that again. And so while there's nothing to do with the West on this next album, it does have a concept and a theme. And it's another subject that has always interested me, or for many, many years has interested me, that has to do with the question of what do these words mean? And the two words are folk music. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, yes, I'm making this album. It's called Folk Music. It's going to piss everybody off (laughs) without question. Um, it's really kind of genre-bending, look at it, but it does have an idea, you know? And, um, uh, I mean, if, if it's okay, for I'll just go into explaining a sure. little bit yeah, out where, where I'm tracing this from. It's an artist that had a great influence on me as a songwriter years ago when I was just starting to get my feet wet doing this. And um, he's actually the first American artist, and that's Walt Whitman.
0: Okay, yeah. And
1: before yeah. Walt Whitman shows up, everybody's idea of what an artist is comes from europe right so emerson was traveling around the country and he was he was a, a public figure you know and he was beckoning for the american poet to appear saying that we're this great new experiment that's historically never occurred before and uh, we need to cast off these European models, and America needs its own poet, and needs its mm. own voice. And this inspired Whitman. And Whitman produced this very slender uh, volume of poems called Leaves of Grass, the first edition of it, in 1855. And what a lot of people don't know is that before the first line of the first poem, there is a prose prologue where he describes and lay out, lays out who and what the American poet is is and it's it's a trip to read that thing today because he is defining in that prose prologue for me and you know forever it's it strikes me what it means and is to be an American artist and I think the person he's describing and the artist he's describing in that prose prologue it's just every American artist since is described there whether you're talking about Marlon Brando or Henry Miller, or Bob mm-hmm. Dylan, or Stanley Kubrick—it doesn't matter. You know, he's he's basically creating the mold, and the rest of us—we're all just trees of this thing that he lays out. And he says things in it like, um, "It is the attitude of the greatest poet to horrify despots and cheer up slaves." Mm. And to me, that's the essence of what folk music should do. Sure. And so, um, it shouldn't be something safe, is the point. You know, it should right. it should challenge authority. It should mess with the status quo, and and that's the point and concept of this album. And it doesn't matter if it's a guy with an acoustic guitar or a punk band. If it's doing that, it's going to fit into my definition for purposes of this album of what is folk music.
0: Absolutely. It springs yeah. from a community and you know when we said that it just reminded me Woody Guthrie who was also influenced by Whitman. He would always say uh, the, the job of a folk singer is to uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now to to make the um, uh, to, oh, I'm I'm going to blow it now but it was to make the 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 the, 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 uh, the oppressor uncomfortable and to comfort the oppressed. Yeah. And something along those lines. But right. it's the same same thing. Exactly. And a living tradition. Well, I'm, I'm really anxious to hear this, and you happen to bring along well, a little this, rough
1: mix. Yeah, I <laughs> want to set it up. This is totally sure. like a rough mix, uh-huh. okay? So what that means is it's not like a completed recording. And like you don't, It's the song is folk music. It's the title song of the album, but we don't have the horn section on uh-huh. it yet, okay? We don't have the saxophone solo, <laughs> right. right? And so keeping that in mind, you know, feel free to to
3: hit it. Hey songwriter
2: Sing me the news what you want to hear on a Saturday night folk music hey songwriter make a song in my show. South Carolina!
0: Wow, what, what the one here on a Saturday night folk music or Sunday afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening to this show, that is a, a great new song. Of, thank you, uh,
3: really. Thank you. Oh, thank
0: Mark you very much. Mark Berger is here with us today, and that's uh, a rough mix uh, that's going to be uh, on his next album. And uh, we're, as the song is playing, we're talking, and Mark's telling me, "Okay, here's where the horns come in. Here's where the backup singers come in." And I'm I'm just getting goosebumps. Listen to this. But you know, you, you captured it there. You captured what what what. You know the idea of what folk music is. It's it's not just uh, some guy with his guitar singing up in front yes, of a microphone. Like
1: I'm, I'm so sensitive. I love my guitar right. necessarily, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: but it's 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 about people. It's about community and about all this. And it's, I, it's the perfect time to to bring this out. Thank well, you. Now you're still in the in the mix process. What's your timeline on this?
1: Well, you know, you know, having been through this ride experience, man, it's just very. Uh, We will sell no wine before it's time. (laughs) Thing, you know. I, I, um, the way we knew we were done with Ride was that we just listened to every track and we didn't know how to make it better. So we were done, you know. Sure. This one here, I have all the basic tracks. The bands perform the songs. I'm committed to these tracks. And so it's a matter of getting vocals at this moment, getting vocals on each one that I have no inclination to try to beat, Mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and then as it's, you know, it's pretty much, then I'll be able to tape it up you know go mix it and put it out so i mean i'd love to have it out by the end of the year uh-huh. no guarantees but you know sure, some yeah. of these songs have been really daunting for me to get uh, you know of course you, you play the song with the band and what you call the scratch vocal the one you sing while the band gets the really good take that's going to go on the record is not necessarily the vocal performance that should wind up on the track and mm-hmm. so then you have to sing it alone Mm -hmm. And that's a different kind of experience where you're not thinking and you can really put that performance on tape that goes with the track that you just feel like Okay, that's it. I can't sure. beat that.
0: So that's what I'm in the midst of now in my own studio. Wow, and you're going to give us a little sneak preview on March 29th at the Turning March Point.
1: March 29th is the first time we're really previewing. Kind of, the, there's some of these songs we've never played in public that we're going to play on March 29th, and we hope it's not a car crash. But it's going to be <laughs> very interesting. You oh know? sure, yeah.
0: Mark Berger at the twi- at the Turning Point in Piermont, New York, March 29th. You can uh, go to TurningPoint.com or uh, or is it t- yeah TurningPointCafe.com? That's right. Or you go know. to Mark's website. MarkBurgerMusic.com to find out more. Um, it's it's an exciting period, I guess, when you're you're getting a song like this together, or an album like this together. Oh, for sure. But but you've been writing songs for years, and now you know when you look at the number, how many CD songs you see these songs on the first one, ten, and how many hour are you going to be read?
1: ten on this one?
0: But I, I assume you've written more than twenty songs in oh, your life. Quite a wife. quite a bit. Yeah. More. yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be hard to have all those songs and. Um, find life for him I mean I guess you do it in, in in performance and you've also done it as you mentioned before with, with Richie Havens having uh, other artists record your music
1: well that was really cool you know and of course like I said that was a pivotal moment for me you know because um, I mean it was really it was flattering to have music publishers give me money for my songs and sure. me, and i was shocked i was like <laughs> wow this is kind of cool you know but to have an artist of his stature yeah. somebody that i really really admired as an artist validate me <clears throat> at a moment when i was starting to think about well, maybe i could do this was really kind of critical you know and it was it's funny it was a very chance encounter um it was at that period where like i now had publishers Um, they were putting me together with other writers, they put me together with this guy that wrote the theme song to the TV show Cheers, they wanted me to write with other writers, you know, and I was in that little world of publishing and songwriting, and so I I had graduated law school, and I was living in Chelsea, and I would go down every morning and have breakfast at this little greasy spoon diner on Hudson Street in the West Village and read my New York Times, and just wait for my royalty checks to show (laughs) up, you know, and... One of these days, I was doing that, and I look up, and Richie Havens walks into the place to use the payphone, you know. Wow. And I thought I was hallucinating. It's just like, (laughs) what, you know? And I guess, you know, where my normal inclination might have been to just introvert, I don't know what possessed me. I just went, Richie Havens, sit down and have a cup of coffee with me. (laughs) I didn't even think, you know. I think my intention was so, you know, strong that I almost knocked Uh. him over. You know, he looked at me and went, well, I just came in to use the payphone, but okay yeah yeah and he sat down with me and we just totally hit it off you know we just started talking and it was a breakfast place so two hours later they're putting the chairs up and they're kicking us out uh and um of course he didn't know if i could write a song and save my life but he liked me and he said he wrote his office number on a napkin he said call my office make an appointment with my assistant i'd love to hear your songs come up and play them for me I don't know, two or three days later, hey, yeah, I'm sitting across I'm closer to Richie Havens than I am to you right now. Oh, wow. And now it's a little desk he had with a little thirty five dollar Panasonic recorder <laughs> and I'm sitting there with Richie Havens, right? Right, you know, and uh little snot-nosed songwriter, you know? and But the thing is, the first thing you have to do with Richie Havens when you sit down with him like this, you have to smoke a bowl. So not only am I scared deathless, okay, <laughs> I'm like paranoid too. It's like this, I'm just so scared of what's going to happen here, right? right. And so uh, he hits play and he starts listening to a song. He's just bopping along, you know, and listening. At the end he goes, hey, that was really good. Listens to two or three more, super positive and flattering. And he said, this is what I want you to do. Um, every time you make some demos like these, make another appointment and bring him in and play him. Just keep doing this with me. I mean, I walked out of there in cloud nine. I mean, I was just like, I can't believe what just happened here. And so I think it might have been the third time I did that with him, you know. And I played him, same thing, same reaction, always very validating and positive. Walked out, and then the next day he called me up and said, hey, Mark, hold on a second. He put the receiver down and he played me this one song I had played him the day before, only had been Richie Haven's eyes. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what I mean? It didn't yeah. sound anything like my demo of the song. And it was a song called The Last One. And he said, so there's a concert tonight at Carnegie Hall to promote better relations between American and Soviet citizens. Pete Seeger, Carly Simon, blah, 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 I'm doing the song. There's two tickets oh, to box God. office in your name. <laughs> I showed up that night, he plays a song. I'm like, I can't even, this is too cool, yeah. you know? The next day he played it at a rally in Central Park. And the day after that, a clip of him performing it was used on the CBS Evening News, and the lyrics were quoted in the New York Times. And he played this song in his concerts for many, many years. And so one of the super cool things about making this folk music album is I'm finally recording this song, uh-huh. you know. I should just say as an aside, there's a recording of him playing, as a video of him playing it on YouTube. Just if you, anybody were to Google Richie Haven's The Last One, you'll see just a breathtaking performance um, that was that took place in the Glastonbury Festival, uh, of him playing the last one, yeah, and so now I'm getting to do it. And you know, again, talk about daunting. Yeah, you know what I mean, you know, and so that we is, have the basic track, yeah. and
0: now it's you know, that is just such an amazing story. And, yeah. and, and you you really captured Richie. I mean, he's somebody we all all miss dearly, but he was such a warm and uh, an encouraging person. That yeah, that and he was also you know, I think people.
1: I wonder to what degree people really fully appreciate how original that guy is. In the sense that I feel like I can listen to lots of great artists and I can trace, like, who did they love when they grew up or who influenced their sound. Like, if you listen to Van Morrison, Ray Charles is just there in the way the guy sings. You know, if you listen to Tom Waits, you hear the influence of Louis Armstrong, even in his horn, Mm -hmm. you know, in Tom Waits' voice. But when I listen to Richie Havens, I have no clue how he that sound or arrived at that sound because there's nothing before Richie Havens that sounds anything sure. lo- like that.
0: You know. Well, listen, you got our, our curiosity up now about the last one. Would you mind playing it for no. us? Do my M- best. Mark Berger here in our studio today.
1: It's closed The water is high
2: It's raining fire And the sky's alive Oh, don't run Forget your gun Cause this one's gonna be the last
1: So long
2: Jerusalem The Grand Canyon And the Parthenon Oh, all one God's will be done This one's gonna be the last Lights out Oh, the bridge is burning Smoke covers my home, sweet home No sign Of the Lord's returning Just the end Lay back, unplug your phones, remove your skin and throw away the bones. Take a long look, what we've done, this one's gone. Out, oh, the bridge is burning. Smoke covers my home, sweet home. No sign, no, of the Lord's returning. Just the understand I love my country and my fellow man just a death dumb citizen this one's gonna be the last This one's gonna
0: be the last one. Wow. Mark Berger, the last one. And uh, you heard him, if you're listening, you heard Mark tell the story of uh, how Richie Havens, uh, came in possession of that song and uh, performed it recorded it and uh, just just a powerful song now how, what how did you write that song what what inspired it
1: you know um i you know sometimes i don't, I, I get asked that question i just don't know what to say mm-hmm. I, I um i remember where i was interestingly when the idea for that song occurred to me but i can't honestly tell you yeah. the reason i know you know um I mean, the song obviously looks at like um, what our responsibility is on an individual level. Sure. you know, um, if this were ever to occur, right? You know, um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have a method. I don't. No. I. 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 I, um, I think everybody probably gets ideas for songs, but they haven't trained themselves. They're not songwriters. They, don't, they haven't trained themselves for the habit of like a phrase just goes through your head and. If you're not a songwriter, it just leaves. Right. But, but, you know, if you're a songwriter, you might just perk up and go, whoa, well, that's the first line of a song. Sure. Or that's a chorus, or or that's a concept, or that's a title, or that's a... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just kind of a habit of training, I think, you know? Where they come from is, you know, I don't know.
0: I just know when they show up, you better grab them. It's like the Arlo Guthrie uh, comment about, you know, it's songs are like going fishing you know you just throw out that hook and then every sound and then sometimes you'll grab it sure and, and even you're one. surprised yeah, I mean, you don't yeah, know,
1: what, you know right. what you're catching Yeah, right.
0: well you've done a great job and I'm I I'm so so thankful that you're able to come and visit us today and share you these songs yeah. now again we want our listeners to remember you're going to be at the Turning Point in uh, Piermont New York on March 29th that's a Friday night uh, turningpointcafe.com is their official website. I'm also looking at your webpage, Mark, and I see you got some other uh, the gigs coming up. Uh, you're going to be in Plainview, New York, on the 30th, and in April, you're going to be in Buffalo, and then on... Uh the 14th of, or I'm sorry, the 11th of, of April, you're going to be in Brooklyn, New York at the Bar court.
1: That's right. And
0: a lot of other gigs coming up. Are you, you planning a busy summer? I have a really busy summer. I haven't put that stuff up on my calendar
1: yet, but uh-huh. I've been playing in uh, Southern California and Colorado and Wyoming and New England and just traveling around, playing outdoor concerts with the band. Oh, so that's, that's a lot like... of fun.
0: Well, I, I hope you'll, you'll make another stop at this station when, when the uh, this new CD comes out. Love Whenever to. it is, like the bottle of wine, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. when it's ready, it'll be ready. That's right. uh, well, Mark, thanks so much for coming by today. And I, I want to play one more song before we, we go. Um, this is a song called Long Way from Vixenburg. Yeah, there you go. You want to introduce this one? Any uh, story behind this one?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I'd rather the listener, you know, it's kind of like i yeah. kinda of taking the songwriter's oath, which is you just don't describe you don't tell, sure. you let it's like whatever you get, you get, all right. you
0: know. Like like Jack Hardy used to say, just play the song. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's all we'll do me. I'll go with that. All right. Mark Mark Berger, thanks again for coming by today. Oh, my
1: pleasure on.
2: make a lot of noise. Tommy, we ain't got far to go. There's a great big heavenly rainbow on the horizon. Fire your guns and run them hook beats into this cold, muddy ground. There'll be women and better times when we roll into town. Since has been weird. It's been strange Been along riding hard Together through a driving rain Hear the band Playing the best We came a long way From Vixenburg and we ain't gone Cold gets into your bones. Brother the road works over your life. And we'd done some things left better off. Unremembered. But you think of the years, the tears, the blood spent fighting to keep this dream alive. And you bite your lip, will he crack that whip? Let's hit the borderline been weird.
0: from Vixenburg. Mark Berger from his album Ride. We've come a long way. Uh, Hopefully we won't go back again. We'll see. Well, wherever you're listening to, you might be listening in Vixenburg because we are streaming on the internet. I'm Ron Olesko and this is Traditions. We have more music coming up.